0: So what we're talking about is how do we use our resources to really grow research, grow our ability to deliver assistive technology, grow our ability to expand our clinical network.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Connecting ALS. I am your co-host, Jeremy Holden, joined, as always, by co-host Jessica Chapman. Jessica, good to see you this week.
2: Hey, Jeremy. Good to see you again.
1: Yeah, it's hard to believe we are at the end of July, uh, zooming through the year, past the halfway point, and uh, a good time to stop and, and reflect on on where we are.
2: Indeed. And it is wild how quickly we're flying through this year already with time flying by, you know, the ALS Association's mission, it continues urgently. And as our listeners will soon hear, despite still being in a pandemic, the Association continues to fight for the ALS community to act swiftly, committing to making ALS livable while we continue our search for a cure. And with the momentum continuing around the FDA action meeting, Lou Gehrig Day becoming an official annual event, and so many promising projects occurring around the globe, it's clear that the association is not stopping until we reach a world without ALS.
1: Yeah, you know, a, a big theme that's emerged as we look ahead to where the fight goes has been accountability. And and one of the ways that we hold ourselves accountable at the ALS Association is to do periodic check-ins to see um, what has happened, what is, what have we been able to accomplish so far. And looking back, you know, and we will share the uh, mid-year report in the show notes, but looking back, it has been a busy year. Of course, recent news about uh, plans to have a unified organization uh, uh, you know, and what that means is, is top of mind for so many people. So we had the opportunity to sit down with ALS Association President and CEO Colony Balas. Let's take a listen to that conversation. Uh, Colony, thank you so much for being with us this morning.
2: My pleasure. Thanks for having me today. Colony, it's great to be with you here today. And as we move into this conversation, I do want to note that. There's been a tremendous volume of meaningful initiatives that have launched or are coming to fruition at a time when so many in the nonprofit sector are working hard to find and even regain their footing after a tumultuous 2020. Of course, the ALS Association did not stop because ALS doesn't stop. And I want to say that you really embody that attitude and that focus. So again, thank you for being with us. Colony, as we reflect back on the first part of 2021, I'm wondering about your experience of managing through a pandemic while leading this organization into the future.
0: Well, thanks, Jessica. It's great to be here again. Uh, lovely to talk to you both. You know, it's such an interesting question because as I reflect back, you know, people keep talking about manage- how what was it like to manage through a pandemic, and quite honestly, we're not done. Um, we're still in the middle, and I, I think that's where everyone's eye and certainly my eye has been in focus. As 2020 came upon us, we started to recognize just the, the depth and breadth of the situation. And it was, it was startling. And as you mentioned in your opening remarks, what was particularly um, concerning is not just what was happening in the ALS community, but what, what's happening in the nonprofit community. And I don't believe that that's over yet. So as I look on the first half, I guess, of 2021, and we start to somewhat come out of the pandemic, I still think the economic um, situation or the impact is yet to be felt. Um, We see that across the sector. I see it with my colleagues and other organizations where now they're regaining some footing in some of the fundraising and and support and still losing a lot of footing in other areas. I think it's really about leveraging relationships, making sure that we understand as much as we can as the the landscape changes and and look at how can we get ahead of some of the trends that we're seeing that are both positive and negative um, and really harness those positive trends. Because like you said, ALS doesn't stop and we can't stop either. And our community needs us regardless of there's a pandemic or if it's the biggest economic boom we've ever seen. And that's what I'm hoping for next. so i hope that answers your
1: question yeah definitely and you know we, we will of course share in the show notes the the update the the mid-year report so folks can right. dig through and see a lot of the big developments that we were able to uh, see and accomplish the first part of this year uh, colony you talk often about maintaining focus on sustained and consistent delivery of mission the association made some news recently with a unification plan uh, creating a unified organization model with distributed mission delivery. That's a lot of words. Um, This is an 18 (laughs) to 24 month plan. Can you help unpack that for me, what that looks like and how that serves that North Star of sustained and consistent delivery?
0: Yeah, I'd I'd be happy to. I'm glad you used that phrase, the North Star. And when I go back to, to Jessica's question around maintaining and delivering service in 2020, you know, we're talking accelerating research, right? Providing critical care consistently across the country and empowering the community through advocacy. And and we saw all of that. This movement towards complete unification means alignment of all of those consistencies across the network. Uh, I think you both have heard me say over and over again that your zip code should not determine your destination. Right. And we know, I, I'm not naive to the fact that zip code will always in some way determine our destination. But can you imagine if we're all moving in the same direction and we can leverage our resources across the country and really empower the entire nation behind that? And I want to be really clear because I know one of the concerns out there is, well, are you still going to deliver local care? absolutely. We're not going to walk away from that. We're actually going to empower and grow that. That's not going away. It's actually going to grow. And so what we're talking about is how do we use our resources to really grow research, grow our ability to deliver assistive technology, grow our ability to expand our clinical network. Let me give you an example. Um, Before the ice bucket challenge, we had, I think, 34, excuse me, certified treatment centers across the country. Now we have just under a hundred. So there is no, I mean, in a very short period of time, right, right? There's no way we're walking away from that. What we're looking to do is how do we grow that? And how do we look at areas across the country that still don't have either a certified treatment center or a recognized treatment center? We want to make sure that people can get to those areas and so that's what this is about. And it's it's not it's very different than corporate. In nonprofit, the work doesn't go away. Right? It's not right. like you you merge together and you're like, oh, we have less to do. No, we have more to do. And in corporate, you know, people come in and they everyone thinks about just slicing all the jobs and they go away. Absolutely not. We're going to grow. We're going to need more people to help with our mission. And that's what we're going to use our resources for. Instead of having, you know, 35, 40 audits across the country, let's use all that money and let's put that into the mission. That's what unification is about.
2: Colony, your remarks remind me essentially that the ALS Association is deeply engaged in what we call whatever it takes, the whatever it takes movement.
0: Yes. It's one of my favorites, quite honestly. And it it was almost, in a sense, born out of the pandemic. Not that it was a new mantra. You know, we always were an organization say, hmm, we see a need. What do we have to do to fill that need? But as the pandemic came on, we started to realize, no, we have to do whatever it takes to make sure our community is served. We have to do whatever it takes to get treatments and therapies to people as soon as possible. And so we kind of took that hallway mantra and put it straight on to everyone because we were already talking about it. We were already saying that. And now I think about doing whatever it takes to, whether it's increase the length of life, increase quality of life, or in a beautiful world, could we do whatever it takes to prevent this disease? That would be an amazing day. And I I believe it's possible. So that is our new mantra, Jessica.
2: Thank you. Indeed it is. And I think we all are living that every day. And as we're working towards reaching the strategic goal that we've talked about, making ALS a livable disease, I do want to make sure that we clarify that this runs concurrently with the urgent work that we're doing right now to find a cure. Finding a cure does not stop as we work to making ALS a livable disease and whatever it takes to do that.
0: Absolutely. Our, the, the gold star, when you talk about the North Star, is always finding a cure. And as we make steps towards that, what we want to do is to make ALS livable. And as we're on that path, as soon as we find the cure, great, I'm ready to move on and do something else. Um, but in, in that time, we want to make sure that there are effective treatments, like I mentioned earlier. And that, you know, we're, we're always pouring dollars into research. I mean, right now, I think we have somewhere in the neighborhood of 170 active projects in 11 countries that changes, wow. you know, as those programs sunset and new ones are born. And I, I want to see those grow. We're actively invested in the Healy platform trial, into the CREATE consortium, the NU95 compound. I could go on and on there's so many different programs that we're actively engaged in but to you to your point jessica be very clear north star is always finding a cure now as we do that we're going to make als livable and we're going to hold a lot of people including ourselves accountable to that uh, including the fda you've uh, been a part of some of All our right. recent meetings and And we're getting good traction there. And they're starting to really respond, including the CDC and how transparent they are in their reporting. So there are a lot of things that we're focused on, but here is always, always in the crosshairs.
1: Very inspiring and motivating to hear where we've come and where we're going. Colin. you mentioned uh, CDC and the, uh, and the FDA, some of those government organizations. We heard some good news coming out of the House recently. Um, all of the asks that the association made in the appropriations front are fully funded from the House. Talk to us a little bit about where things are going on the advocacy side of things.
0: Yeah, it's, it's been very encouraging. And, and I think 2020 was also a very encouraging year for the community. So hopefully we some good momentum uh, going into 2021. So we're looking at what uh, I call uh, boring but important, <laughs> uh, a $1 million um, appropriation for National Academies of Sciences project. And what this is, is it's, it's really interesting because it, this could become then the playbook of how we go to Congress and ask for more dollars in various areas. When the National Academy of Sciences takes on looking at a different part of the disease community, it actually kind of gives us a runway then to say, hey, they told us this, and much of it, by the way, we probably know, right, but man. they told us this, it's been documented and now we can go and ask for congressional support um, in that area. So that's why this is important. Um, and I'm very excited about it. We've, you know, we're looking at another $10 million for the registry. And like I said, also the that adoption of, of language of transparency and reporting, which I know, and we all know has been kind of a, a nagging side (laughs) when it comes to the cdc reporting and we're we're still focused on you know all the other efforts including act for als um that's looking pretty good but uh, i think it's going to take a lot more advocacy to to get it over the the uh the goal line as well as the promising pathways act so a lot of stuff happening on capitol hill and and i just want to say uh Thank you to everyone who's listening and to everyone who's been a part of the advocacy efforts, because this isn't about one or two or three people. This, this has to be about the entire community, and that's how we've gotten where we, where we have together, and that's where we, why we have to be together to get where we want to go.
1: Yeah, um, uh, you know, echo your comments about thanking the, the activists, the, the advocates that are out there, uh, you know, kind of pounding the pavement, writing the letters, contacting their members of Congress, and it's so inspiring to see so many people come together in the virtual advocacy conference earlier this year and, and really kind of keep that forward momentum going on the appropriation side, Act for ALS, and access to promising treatments. Of course, Colony, all of what we do in service of serving people with ALS, optimizing the care that is available and making sure it's available to everyone, what have you seen so far this year on the delivery of care and, and enhancing that and, and, and making it available to as many people as needed?
0: Yeah, uh, that's a great question, Jeremy. When I think about that optimizing care and also learning lessons of pandemic 2020 and twenty one, I guess, um, is we've learned how much online learning, there can be, right? There's yeah. now it's it's ubiquitous, I think, um globally. And so whether it's the webinars that we've been offering, the continuing education credits that we've been seeing people leaning into, um, that's for like our allied healthcare professionals and those who are interested in ALS. And one of my my favorite programs, I like I probably shouldn't say I have a favorite, have. but you know, this is a really great one, which is the Jane Calmus Scholarship Fund. Uh, mm-hmm. This year, I think we're awarding 100 individuals, students who are affected by ALS, since 2019. Uh, new scholarships, I think, are coming out soon, and this is just a beautiful program and uh, has a great history. One of our Board members um, Mark Calmus, uh, his lovely wife Jane passed a few years ago after her battle of eight years with ALS. And I remember one day when Mark came to me and said, "You know, I'd really like to start this scholarship program." And I said to him, "I said that's a lovely thought." And I thought, and I and I said out loud, "I'm like, I'm I'm nervous because I'm not sure if there's really a need." like if you if you put these dollars forward, what happens if if we don't get enough applications? Well, I was completely wrong. And Mark had identified a gap that so many young people need just to get to school. And uh, this program has grown, and it's just a, a lovely, lovely thing. so as so as students are going back to school now, Things are a little bit more clear than they were a year ago, which was a very different situation. This program is up and running, and I'm, I'm very excited about it.
2: Kalanita, I cannot agree more with you. It, too, is one of my favorite programs, and just mm-hmm. well put there. So, Kalanita, I have to ask you, how about those yeah. cubs?
0: <laughs> oh, I think you've been talking to one of our friends, Jessica. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I I am not going to play. paste. Favorites here on on the MLB uh, situation. I think my excitement is is just the fact that we had that Lou Gehrig's Day and there was participation all across the country from all of our teams, and couldn't be more grateful to both the teams as well as to Major League Baseball, I was a bit gobsmacked when I found out that they decided not just to do it for this year, but they're going to do it in perpetuity. And that is amazing, the awareness that we already got from that one day. And I love the fact that it was awareness for the whole community. This isn't just about the ALS Association or other organizations. This is about ALS. And uh, that was just an amazing, amazing opportunity. So I, I just want to thank everyone. It really it showed you know, that people could do things in all sorts of ways. Whether it was you know making a local impact or doing a walk your way program, there was just all kinds of things happening. And so the Cubs. I, I know it's a little bit rough this, this right now, but you know, the season's long.
1: <laughs> well it's it hasn't been a great year for either of my teams either so I, I won't dig too deep into that but you know Col as you're talking about walk your way and you know you're talking about the uh, the Lou Gehrig day and, and really kind of solidifying that commitment between MLB and the community thinking about all the virtual ways that we've been able to connect and enhance delivery it really to me speaks to the re- resiliency of the community and the, the resiliency uh, that, that it's going Going to take to continue the fight forward. Any closing thoughts before we let you get back to your day?
0: Well, again, I just want to say thank you to everyone in the community. It's always amazing to me each day I wake up and I think about what are we doing today to hold ourselves accountable to the goal of making ALS livable, making sure that we keep our eye on the prize. We have a little fun along the way and also really embrace the nature of where we're at. And so I would just like to say thank you. Uh, thank you to not only people living with ALS, their caregivers, their families, their, their larger families. We know that this, this disease affects everyone who touches a person living with ALS. And I want you to know for me that I think about that almost every minute of the day as, as we set our, our goals forward. So thank you all.
1: Colony Palas is the president and CEO of the ALS Association. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today.
2: My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Kalanit, for taking the time to walk us through so many exciting programs, projects, and initiatives. Jeremy, I know I, for one, am excited to see what the rest of the year is going to bring when it comes to supporting, serving, and fighting for the ALS community.
1: Yeah, definitely energized coming out of that call with Kalanit. Uh, Always such a, a great presence on the podcast. We have a seat available for her anytime when her busy schedule allows it. That is going to do it for this week's episode. You can find Connecting ALS wherever you listen to podcasts. And please, while you're there, take a moment to rate and review the show. It is a great way for us to find new listeners and connect with even more. This week's episode was produced by Garrett Tiedemann of the ALS Association's Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota chapter. Thanks for tuning in. We'll connect with you again soon.